Blog Talk Radio. All right. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the In Within. And uh, here we are again. It's been a couple of weeks, and uh, I have to apologize. Uh, yeah, we've been kind of on kind of on hiatus. Had a lot of things going on, and probably going to have a lot of things going on next couple of weeks. But uh, we're going to try to stay with you because there's so much really going on even to cover at this point. But uh, we're going to try to give you at least our interpretation of things and events that are happening. And uh, let's see. I'm on a alternate computer again. My other computer has decided to take a hiatus itself. Uh, I updated a video driver. You know, I, sh- I hate Windows. I hate it with a passion. I'm sitting over here running on uh, Linux Mint, which is a wonderful operating system. I mean, absolutely wonderful. We got it running on a laptop. Leave it running twenty four seven. Yeah, I mean, never a problem. I can update it. Usually does fine. You know, now I can tell you one thing: if it crashes, it's a bitch. You know, uh, the old adage is: if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Uh, that's the general rule you should live by. And you know, just because something tells you. Hey, you need to get the newest updated so your machine will run better and up to date and up to date. Forget it, man. Just let it go. Uh, you know, I did that with a video driver. And so now I'm looking at a black screen when my machine boots up. Um, sure, there's a fix somewhere. Mm, you know. I've got 300 different people telling me how to fix it 300 different ways, and uh, I haven't found the way yet. Um, you know, it, sometimes it's easy if you've got, which I do, it's best advice yet. I've got a backup, so I can restore if I need, if I have to. If I get frustrated enough, I'll just restore it, put it back, say it's good, you know. But I know me, I'll sit there and hulk around with it for hours upon hours and get nowhere. And then finally I'll just say, (laughs) and then uh, go ahead and just go through the process of restoring it. So that's another tip I'll give you is uh, restore, is back up and restore and back up often. And I'm not advertising here, but I'm I'm telling you, one of the best ones out there for PC that I have found is a Kronos True Image. I use it, and it has saved my butt about uh, at least oh four or five times now since I've been using it. But uh, it's worth the price of admission. Uh, so, you know, definitely consider it. But uh, anyway, um, glad to be with you here tonight. Uh, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. One of them being the 
the dreaded State of the Union, you know, and I don't know how many of you, you know, punished yourselves with, I don't know how many conservatives out there watched that crap being spewed on national television and could sit there and and really sit all the way through it without having to go to the bathroom or something. But the only way I could watch it, I had to watch it on the blaze. And the only way I got through on the blaze, they sat there and made fun of it all night. And, uh, you know, I, I, I even laughed a couple of times. I mean, it was funny because some things they were saying, it was, it was great. The only way I could put up with it, uh, even they were, even though that was their, you know, what they were setting out to do was to make fun of it. They were even having a hard time sitting through it because all the lies, I mean, the lies that were coming out of that man's mouth, it was unbelievable. You know, you know he was lying. I know he was lying. Most everyone who keeps up with this man knows he was lying. And they get up and clap for him. Every time he lies. And it's, you know, it's like a monkey theater. I mean, and I don't say that in the racial context at all. I mean, really, it is like the, what do they call it, Pudukey Theater. And I, I just, you know, it was just unbelievable talking about, oh, man, and when he said, uh, you know, that statement he made about, uh, you know, that he, he's done campaigning, you know, he's done, you know, he's through campaigning because he's at the end of his term and then, you know, everyone started laughing. He says, uh, I should know. I've won two campaigns by now. <laughs> I thought I was going... My God, because he was totally off script. Totally off script. I mean, he left that teleprompter, you know, no problem. And you could tell. I mean, they they showed, they did a steal of it whenever he said that on The Blaze. And the expression, one time the expression will speak a thousand words. That man was pissed that people were laughing about what he had just said. And I'm telling you, this man is dangerous. I don't ever think we've been in so much danger in in my lifetime. I really don't... Uh, I, fortunately, I was born after World War, born after Korea. As a kid, a small kid, I did get to see, you know, Vietnam while it was going on. But what we're coming into, I can't tell you. I, I you know, 
I can tell you this, it's it's going to be the Christians. The Christians are going to be, I'm afraid, and even the uh, rabbis are seeing this, some of the rabbis are seeing this, is that the Christians are going to be the target this time, more so than the Jews. And I'm not sure, we may even have, have referenced that on this show, that the Christians would be the first uh, because you know that that's just where we are that's you know Christians as a matter of fact uh, somebody posted well actually it was Paul Wittenberger posted something on Facebook today about Stephen Anderson now I, if you've been listening to the show for a while Stephen Anderson is a pastor that we've had on the show a couple of times and you know, very straightforward guy. He cuts to the chase. He minces no words. And you know, his interpretation of of the gospel, his interpretation of the Bible, I would have to say is spot on. You know, if you if you Listen to God's word. He reads. Read God's word. It reads only one way. There's no other way to read it. Now, other people they may read it and read something else into it, but at least this is my opinion. The, the Bible and the gospel, in particular reads only one way about telling us how we should pursue our life with Jesus Christ. And, you know, Paul posted today that, uh, you know, Child Protective Services and the cops were at Stephen Anderson's door about, it was a sermon. I have the link. I finally found the link just before the show, and unfortunately, I'm on my Linux machine, and I don't have uh, Adobe loaded on it where I can put it in the chat room. But uh, it was about a sermon that he had preached, you know, one Sunday that, you know, obviously one of the liberal factions out there, whether it be the LGBT, and I don't mean, you know, the lettuce, bacon, and tomatoes, lettuce sandwich, or whatever the hell it is, and then the other, you know, faction of liberals out there who were just, you know, the politico types who are just looking for someone to say one word that they can take out of context. And this man, next thing you know, this man has uh, the police and child protective services at his door for a sermon that he preached. You know, you have to really take into close examination it. Is this your country anymore? When these kind of things happen, I mean, they happen day in and day out. You really have to take inventory. Is this really your country anymore? 
is this really what you accept as being your country? Now, I'm probably on an enemy's list myself for even suggesting this. You know, I'll probably have dog protective services coming at my door because I have no children. But, you know, I'm just amazed that Americans who continue to not challenge the system that we're into every day that these these events are happening, I'm just, it just amazes me that people aren't standing up and challenge, you know, and I'm sure these there's someone, some of these officers out there, some of these people may be child protective services who haven't lost their soul yet that you can look at in the eye and say, is this right to you? I mean, is it this right to you? You're at my door. Try and take my children away because of a sermon I preached at church that someone saw it who was obviously hate-filled and wanted to use it and propagandize it and then send it to you, the police, without recognizing it as my freedom of speech to say what I what I feel is in my heart and what is right. Now, these hate factions can do it all the time. No question. We've got uh, Michael Brown's stepfather out there basically on the platform calling, you know, to burn the bitch down. Now, Ferguson, what did they do? They burnt the bitch down. You know, hey, (laughs) I'm sorry. I know they had a child that was shot and killed that was later acquitted of all wrongdoing by both the grand jury in Ferguson and also the uh, greatly slanted Justice Department couldn't even find anything. And now you've got a man you need to look at for inciting violence, perhaps. Uh, you know, how much property was lost and what was the value of it and all because of this man, you know, in a fit of rage, got up there and said, burn this bitch down, burn this bitch. Well, you know, they did exactly what he said. Of course, the bummer was part of it too. But anyway, uh, Enough of me. Let, let's talk to Brent, see how my man's doing down in San Antonio, and uh, let him talk for a few minutes, tell us what's happening. What's going on, Brent? Hey, buddy, what's happening? Well, I'm, I'm still going strong. Today's day 29 without a cigarette. Just to give you a little Oh, update. man. Wow. That, man, I, man, I'm so proud of you. That is great. It's a lot easier than it was last time I talked to you. <laughs> you know, well, they they have it coming. 
they haven't come and arrested you now for those electronic cigarettes that you use. Yeah, and you, that's the thing. As soon as I, <clears throat> as soon as I start doing these, I start notice. I don't. You know how it's it's like if you're say you're about to buy a new truck. Well, everywhere you go, you start seeing, you know, truck signs and trucks for sale. You know, and I, I quit smoking cigarettes, go to an e-cigarette, and next thing I know, every time I turn around, I'm seeing a story about e-cigarettes on the internet talking about how they might be dangerous if you, uh, you know, turn up the battery, which I don't even know how you do that. Mine's, you can't turn up my battery. Uh, you know, turn it up to five times the normal use and do something else. It'll turn into formaldehyde. And, you know, I'm thinking, you know what, what if you drive a Volvo 65 miles an hour, which is a speed limit, or if you drive it 120, your chances of being in a wreck go up. You know, it's just these... These scientists are just putting ridiculous uh, statistics out there, and I think a lot of people see through that, though. Uh, but it just seems like I'm seeing more and more of this uh, ban the e-cigarettes. And it just pisses me off. So. Well, it's, it's, it's the learned people, the ones who take nobody's word for anything anymore because you know, you make the assumption that absolutely no one has any integrity. In fact, to say it, normally you're going to be right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that's what's so sad about the culture and society of today is that you can't depend on anybody to give you the right information. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe for the first time in our history, people are starting to question anything that they're being told by anybody, and they'll go back and use the resources at their disposal and look for themselves. Yeah. I mean... exactly right about that. You know, yeah. well, it's depended on four, you know, three to four news channels for all of their information for the most part for a very long time. And uh, I, I agree with you. I'm seeing a lot more people over the, especially this last, you know, year, um, the latter part of the year, uh, people that, that I have, you know, noticed are looking into things uh, much more on a personal level uh, rather than just depend on what they hear on the news. So you're right, man. That's a... That's we've been telling people to do that for years now. <clears throat> well, I I have to tell you, this is my honest opinion, and I think at some point we'll find it to be true, is that has been born out of all this in the last six years. And not so much Barack Obama and the, this administration, uh, but the traditional media's lack of covering this honestly, unbiased, and in such a way. In other words, they have not been acting as the fourth arm of government, and that is the judicial, the legislative, and the uh, executive. Executive. And then, and then you have the media, and the media is the one that's supposed to keep all three in check, you know, by reporting 
the news. But the, see, that's what's not been happening in the last six years. It's like, you know, it's like if if uh, Barack Obama sits down with a journalist from ABC News, uh, I'll give you an example of the softball questions. They thought, well, uh, President Obama, can you tell us about your latest golf trip? Uh, did you have an incident with a young married couple at that on their golf trip? Did you? <laughs> you know, and, <clears throat> and then of course they go, they, "Oh yes, we had a photo op. We did it. You know, and the couple was they were elated. Uh, we had no idea we were going to run into blah 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 blah. You know, just uh, you know, just nonsense the television." Or, you know, the journalism schools are grooming them like that nowadays. Uh, you know, Cheryl Atkinson, uh, man, that she's she's one I'm proud of. She's fighting this administration tooth and nail, and uh, she's she's probably uh, not, not gonna. I mean, I'm sure. Well, she wrote her own book, so maybe she'll you know keep some money. I'm not sure how good that book is selling, but but CBS basically just kicked her out. You know, and she she's not going to be a part of the so-called journalistic society anymore uh, because of what she's done. But but uh, hopefully she'll, some of these young journalism students, hopefully, I say that uh, with not a whole lot of hope, but maybe somebody, you know, one of these young people out here, they'll see what she's doing and she'll inspire them to, you know, get the truth a little, a little more than, you know, just your basic BS crap that we see on a daily basis. Well, you know, and I know and I understand and I appreciate those who are against Edward Snowden. You know, I get it. But I have to say, if it were not for Edward Snowden, we would not have any idea as to the extent this government has gone to to sift for information, not amongst the international community, but amongst its own. And that tells you something, is that the enemy that they're looking at is from within our own borders, and they're not Islamic. They are regular, modern-day people who go to work every day, and do their thing, you know, and abide by the law in which, you know, for whatever reason, they see fit to, you know, get intelligence on each and every one of them. But just like the, the latest latest one with the cars, you know, they were trying to build a database with the, you know, information coming from automobiles. You know, those who traveled to gun shows and uh, various information like that. And I'll tell you about a personal incident that happened to me and my wife. Okay, uh, we took our automobile in for a recall. And there was this thing that was, uh, you know, it was voluntary. You didn't have to, uh, you know, it wasn't a recall. It was just only if you ask for it to be installed. And it was that stop-assisted technology. And 
I swear to God, this is you know, this is Toyota. Uh, took it up there, and you know, they uh, said yes. We put on the recalled part. We also put on the uh, SAT, what they call it. And we said what? He said, "Yeah, the the stop assisted technology." Said, "Well, wait a minute. We we didn't know anything about you know stop assisted technology." And we got to reading the letter from Toyota that said you had to, you know, basically express specifically that you wanted it to be installed. Now I don't know what it is, but I do know they go in and uh, reprogram the chip, you know, that's that's in your car. Uh, there's probably more to it than just stop assistive technology. I'm sure. Uh, I haven't had the time to really dig into that one but uh and i thought to myself and i told i said man ain't no way them if they got it on there tell them take it off you know pull it off you know they put it on there they can take it off and i don't care if it means replacing the whole freaking computer chip Because it says here in this letter, I mean, you have to express specifically that you want it. It's not required. Uh, but anyway, I went in and found a letter from the uh, Department of Transportation uh, with the Toyota letterhead that said that they were going to encourage their customers or told the dealerships to encourage their customers to to get that technology installed on their car. So, of course, this goes from 2009 up to current uh, 2015. So, you know, I yeah I know what's going on with technology. I can tell you right now, I, I I'm techie. I've been thirty something years in technology. So I'm you know. I can I can read the blueprints and what you're looking at in terms of technology is unreal and it's not science fiction. It's already in the making. You know, all this stuff with smartphones and wireless technology and all these things we've been enjoying is to has been getting you used to the idea of you know, Everything you do in your life is going to be uh, communicated through this technology. And supposedly, the idea of wireless is that there's no more use to run landlines any longer to keep the planet green. And that's why, uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but the guy from Tesla is going to now be getting into this new uh, satellite internet uh, wireless system that's going to be installed all around the all all around the globe. That's going to provide everyone, you know, from Mozambique, you know, to Ethiopia, all third world countries to all the, you know, technologically developed countries such as U.S., China, uh, 
to have wireless internet. And you ask yourself, well, okay, let's think about this for a second. Let's look at the villages, for instance, in Africa, where many of them may not have even seen a computer. Uh, They may not even know what a wireless device is. And if they saw a wireless device, would they even know what to do with it? And can anyone answer that question for me? See, this is the way I think. Uh, if you can answer that question for me, fine. I mean, you know, you you plan to do education, teach these, uh, you know, outmost villages about this technology and computer science and this, that, and the other. But, yeah, that's cool. I'll, I'll buy that one. But what really is it for? You know, tell me that. What what really is it for? Just like the new credit cards, the AMV chips. Uh, what 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 really is that for? Is that really for identification theft? Are you really trying to work it down to something even smaller that you can put into a person's body to where? You know, you can't accidentally leave your wallet at home. You can't accidentally leave your cell phone at home. That now you've got 24-7, you know, you've got a transponder, some way that this little device can communicate with a wireless uh, access point somewhere, either in your home or somewhere else, that can basically give me your GPS coordinates, you know, at any time where you're located longitudinally, latitudinally, and tell me, you know, pinpoint you within a meter, 3.3 yards or less, exactly where you're at. And... You know, some people say, "Oh, that's science fiction, man." You're, you know, you're getting. A... <laughs> I don't say things I don't find the documents for. Okay, I never say anything I haven't seen the documents for. I mean, I've seen the game plan. I know what the documents say, and I know what they're building. Anything that has the word smart on it, you might as well say that's the intent and purpose of smart technology. And I guess I get kind of touchy about this subject because my brother already thinks I'm a conspiracy theorist. Uh, You know, but of course I could print out documents all day long and he would never... Uh, read them because oh those are just conspiracy theorist documents I'd say to him well you know hey Dumbo it's, it's got .gov on them he says well that's just conspiracy theorist documents with .gov on them <laughs> you know you, you can't win with a guy it's like you know how can you win with someone who knows everything 
So you get to the point, well, why bother? Some people you just can't tell. And it's just like our financial system, you know. And uh, there's, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. I'm real confused about the oil situation. Well, I know what the oil prices, the drop was, and I don't know if they're raising prices now, being that we now have a new king in Saudi, which oil prices, as you notice, are going back up. But the question was, is why did they drop so low to begin with? And the only thing I can think of, it was to, uh, you know, push a trade war, currency war with the Soviet Union. And because, well, I've noticed that we have, what did Buckner say? I'm trying to recap what did Buckner say. We've got like... uh, 16, 18 major countries who have now pulled off the dollar as, as the, uh, you know, the, the currency to purchase oil with. That used to be the, cur- the currency to buy oil. But countries are beginning to unhinge from that. And I, we have been saying this, Carol, yourself, and others, that there's only one thing that the U.S. can do is that we can consume. We don't produce. We produce very few goods. We export maybe even fewer goods. And it's, uh, you know, all that has been pushed to, oh, services as well. Services have well been outsourced to India, which is true. But I have noticed a trend. Those have been coming back. But I think we also, in turn, had more Indians come into the U.S. to take those jobs. (laughs) Uh, So that was a hard one to call. And I'm thinking to myself, is... You know, I'm trying to think, I I like to do war gaming. I like to say, you know, five years, ten years in the future, uh, economically, what are we looking at on the basis of today with uh, the things that we're seeing going on? Okay, right now we're a consumer nation. We don't produce many goods. Uh, We've got the generation behind yours and my generation you know, we 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 got a few young people who are really, really got it together, bright, you know, and uh, and I have a lot. I'm very hopeful for the generation that's right behind us. I think it's the generation that's behind them that I'm the most frightened of because they absolutely have no clue. And they've been uh, basically raised, brought up, and then educated that this 
is an entitlement society and that they are entitled to a free education. They are entitled to free internet. They are entitled to free stuff. They are entitled to free health care. And the list just goes on and on and on and on. And, you know, I always like to, you know, I'm getting more like Beck as I get older because I like to look back in history and if there was ever a society that thought of themselves as entitled, then I can only think of maybe, you know, the Romans. The Romans thought they were entitled. Well, we know they they collapsed eventually. Uh, the Greeks, well, they thought they were entitled. They collapsed eventually. The Egyptians, mm, they thought they were entitled. They collapsed eventually. And even the Jews grew so arrogant to think they were entitled. And then they collapsed eventually. So the trend is, is that uh, you may think yourself as being entitled, (laughs) but eventually you're going to end up as they did. Because I don't care what anybody says, history always repeats itself. And these kids, being that they aren't being taught history, then they have no other choice. They they are going to repeat it. And, you know, and the thing is, I, I don't know. It's, I don't have a very positive look on the United States in, say, five to ten years. I see a lot of things coming down the pipe that, you know, a lot of us aren't even going to be able to comprehend, you know, even our generation. But we'll we'll do okay because, you know, a lot of us are still the generation of innovators, you know, We'll make it work. You know, we're the ones that uh, still can turn part of the expression, uh, can make chicken salad out of a shit sandwich. (laughs) If you know what I mean. (laughs) And it's... uh, you know, I I don't know what your thoughts are on about that, but I'm trying to find something. You know, I'm thinking here in my head, what is something positive I can come up with? Uh, you know, I know we got the Super Bowl coming up. That's great. It's wonderful, and you know, everybody needs some downtime. But uh, you know, all the hoopla and everything else, it's it, there's so many other things that are going on. And I know, I bet you anything, there's going to be a hellacious document dump tomorrow by this administration. You know it. I, you, know, you can smell it coming. That I wouldn't be surprised if Bo Bergdahl, you know, everything involving Bo Bergdahl, Benghazi gets released this week because no one will, no one will be watching Everyone will be at the Super Bowl. 
How much you want to bet on it? <laughs> I got to tell you, speaking of the Super Bowl, I'm, this is probably the most uninterested I've ever been in a Super Bowl in my entire life. I mean, it's just, you know, first you have the deflate gate. Uh, I couldn't find one channel that wasn't talking about that. And now I'm hearing that the Seattle Seahawks fans, which I despise, I think they're a bunch of idiots. All they do is just yell at the top of their lungs the entire game. It's just ridiculous. And But they have some of their fans who are going to the hotel of the New England Patriots, which the New England Patriots are probably my least favorite team in the whole league. But but they're, they're, they're turning on the fire alarm at 1.30 at night. And also, I mean, I just I find that so childish. Uh, you know, this is supposed to be the big game, and it's just become, it's become a joke this year. I mean, I could, I could really care – you know, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to watch it, you know, but it's, it's going to be boring for me because I don't give a crap who wins. <laughs> I'm going to eat good well, it, it, Well, yeah, it, it, it's it's a tradition. It's American pastime. And and I hold – see, I, I at one time would would watch it and be right there with everybody else. But, see, I, I lost my interest in football basically when – uh, I guess when I started having back problems, you tend to start losing interest in things you participated in uh, when you start paying for it later, uh, which, you know, uh, I'm paying for mine dearly right now. And so, you know, football, matter of fact, I'll tell uh, parents who have kids playing ball, I said, man, you know, discourage your kids from playing ball. Please, I'm telling you, just discourage them. Uh, tell them to take a croquet, crochet, <laughs> uh, <laughs> puzzles. You know, crossword puzzles. You know, it, it, just anything, mathematics, rocket science, just anything but football. Maybe get on the swim team. You know. Uh, because I'm here to tell you, going out there and getting your butt knocked around by a bunch of folks who can be two or three times heavier than you are, and not just heavier, but, you know, are bulkier too. And especially when you, oh, man, get blindsided. I've been, I've been blindsided a few times. I'll never forget. I, I I got blindsided one time, and uh, I walked all. This was a guy who was about, you know, I'm about, I'm a good sized guy. I'm about five, you know, about five nine, and this guy was about six foot six, uh, well over three hundred pounds, and it was on a kickoff return. And, of course, you know, I'm watching the ball carrier. The kickoff was to us, and I'm watching the ball carrier. And then here comes this guy just waylaid me out of nowhere. I mean, and I'll never forget, I landed right on my on my rectum, on my butt. And, you know, my granddad was watching and. I came out. I've never felt in my life 
that I literally had the crap knocked out of me. That's the first time in my life I ever felt like, where's the bathroom? <laughs> where's the bathroom? <laughs> there, there's got to be a poor body around here somewhere. <laughs> because uh, I don't know how long it's take. First, I got to get these these pads off. <laughs> but man, man, it, it, he just tore into me, you know, and that's that's the worst hit I've ever had. Well, take that back. I had another one that was helmet to helmet with another guy, and I I really to this day may have think that may have something to do with my neck, but uh. And it was one of those drills where you you lay on your back and then you turn over and then, you know, one guy's got the ball and the other guy's supposed to tackle him. And, you know, it was like two bulls going head to head. And we both went down. And, I mean, I heard bells. So, yeah, it was either the... The bells of heaven, or the bells ringing in my head, or the bells of some church nearby. But I heard bells, and I mean, you know, the only ringing I had worse than that was after Ted Nugent. <laughs> I went to when when I was a kid. I'm putting age on myself, man. I'm telling you, give me a good idea how old I am, but. uh you know, things were so much different back then. I mean, you know, that was, I don't know why. I guess if we're, I'm going through the same phase as my parents did. But, you know, you look back in retrospect, so things were so much different back then. And really, they weren't. It was just you, you knew less about it back then and cared less about it. You know, if it didn't affect you, you really didn't care. And, you know, thing is now is that it affects you more and you do care and you care also for your brother, you know, and whether it be your physical brother or, you know, or actual brother or, or be your spiritual brother. And, and at least that, well, the thing is now too is that it's so in your face. And it's like, you know, okay, people, wake up, wake up. I can see this. You know, what's your problem? I don't know if you had too much to drink the night before. What's the deal? But wake up, wake up. But it's, uh, you know, I will tell you this. This was probably one of the most unbearable State of the Union addresses I think I've ever seen or, you know, or ever had to watch because I don't know if you watched it or not. Did you watch it? What? I'm sorry, say that again. The phone was kind of cracking up a little bit. Yeah. Did you, did you watch the State of the Union address? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I went ahead and uh, I taped it and then I wasn't going to put my wife through that, so after she went to bed, I went ahead and watched it. <laughs> and uh, I have the same reaction as you. I mean, it was just every, it was just such a scripted thing. 
thinking about what he's going to do for the next two years to satisfy us on base one, um, I see some evil things coming. I really do. You know, I'm, I'm, you know me, Mike. I mean, I, I try not to get into that state of. I'm not going to live in a state of fear. I'm just. I'm at the point where I. I'm not. I'm just not going to do it. You know. I'm. I'm. I'm a fighter. Uh, but I see some. I see some big fights coming. Oh what yeah. Well. The, the, one of the uh, I'll, I'll tell you one of the biggest disappointments is is that already the Republican Party is starting to cave on some of the issues that they said they would never cave on. Right. And one of those being late term abortions, I think, and uh, you know, immigration is another one. Uh, uh, health care, you know, because Carol and I, we we both uh, studied in great detail the hell the hell gen hell h e g e l i a n hellian dialectic, right? And and understand what that means, and this is kind of the game that's being played between the left and the right. Uh, now, and we can see this playing out, and it's uh, you know, it, it's not, you know, it, it's one of those things where if you don't know what it is, you'll never see it. You'll sit there and say, okay, well, that's better than what we had. I'll accept that. That's what they want you to feel like, you know. Well, that's better than what we had. I'll accept that. Uh, whereas, you know, people like Ted Cruz, Mike Lee, is the ones that stand tall on the issues, and Scott Walker, uh, they're the ones who usually get dragged dragged in the mud behind the trucks, you know, and they take turns. But uh, it's it's so disappointing me. Uh, What's that other one? Makia Love. Uh, Mia Love, I think yeah. She's going to turn out to be a big disappointment. I don't know why. Yeah. I just have this feeling. Uh, and, you know, you feel like uh, Mel Gibson, uh, you know, in The Patriot when he just... Or Braveheart. Yeah, I, like, I feel like every, everything is a sideshow. You know, we've seen... The only one that I have any hope for is the Trey Gowdy Benghazi committee. Uh, if he stays on course, I think that can be a, a big eye opener for a lot of people. Maybe I'm not 100% convinced, but look at this uh, Loretta Lynch right now, the Attorney General. Oh yeah, in. he's been a total failure, total, total Marxist. You know, uh, Obama butt kisser. Uh, he's actually the protector of the Obama administration. And they've got to have somebody like him. And they're, the, the Republicans are putting on a big old show right now. But my gut tells me when it comes time to vote, you're going to see, you know, what, 75, 80 votes out of all those senators go for his pick. You know, they they, they get all their one-liners. They ask the tough questions. But when it comes time to vote, I, I have no faith in these Republicans right now. I really don't. Yeah, and that's what's so bad. I would like to think that, you know, we were all so optimistic that we've got, and 
Well, you and I and many others knew better than to be optimistic. We were cautiously optimistic. Uh, you know, it was hope for the best, kind of plan for the worst. And I think we were right in doing so because it looks like we've got, you know, yet another term we're going to have to deal with those who played the Tea Party and which, you know, those of the Tea Party should be proud. I mean, you made enough of a difference to where the rhinos and the neocons feel like they have to portray the Tea Party in order to get elected. So you've done something. You know, it's the only problem is we can't get, you know, I don't think we know necessarily who we're putting up there. It's not who we're putting up there aren't out of the grassroots. It's people who say they're out of the grassroots, and we just kind of accepted that, you know. But, I mean, we really need someone in the grassroots uh, to step up. I'm talking about find some, one of those Harley bikers, you know, who has long hair and a beard. Looks right. like the Rob looks like the Robertsons, you know, who who basically, you know, uh breathe fire and brimstone only if you you know in other words they ain't gonna cut you no slack. And that's who we need up there. You know, quite the opposite of anybody else. Uh just where Congress will know he's speaking business. And, you know, don't cross him, you know. Granted, he, well, he won't be popular at dinner parties, but he ain't there to be popular at dinner parties, one of those types. Right. You know, what we what we need is, is a family up there like the Robertsons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, did you, watch, did you watch the series Sons of Liberty last week? Uh, I watched. I've got it recorded. I watched some of it, and I need to go yeah. back and watch the rest of it. It looked yeah, like it was pretty good, but yeah, Sam Adams I, was real good. Yeah, Sam Adams oh, was—he's a pretty rough guy, you know, uh, which I already knew that. But but uh, I just like—I like the way they put the film together. But I don't want to ruin the the almost the ending for you. Um, but you know, he was—he was just a regular old guy, drank too much. You know, liked women too much, but you know when it, when it came time for push and shove, man, he he stood his ground. No, our, our founders, yeah, it's our founders weren't any different than what we are. We always like to push put our founders up on a pedestal that they were, uh, you know, holier than thou, walked on water, and, and but no, that's quite contrary. Uh, Ben Franklin, yes, he was a ladies' man, and he played the part. Don't ask me how, but hey, he <laughs> he was popular with the ladies. He, you know, the ladies must have uh, went for intellect more than looks in those days. But uh, you know, and Sam Adams liked to say he was a ruffian, and he had he had many ruffians who. Uh, were in 
uh, the, the Liberty Movement, who were ready to go against the the British uh, from oppression. And I think the thing is now is that we've got to start understanding, I don't say we, but uh, others have to start defining what is oppression and what is not oppression. You know, it's like Pastor Anderson. If Pastor Anderson preaches a message in his church and then posts it on the Internet and someone gets their feelings hurt or someone gets their, you know, their, their, basically they they lose whatever dignity they thought they had because Pastor Anderson read what he feels is the truth in the gospel, they should not have the power to go out and call anyone in law against Pastor Anderson's right to speak it, just as they have a right to speak it, just as the Black Panthers have a right to speak it, just as the LGBT community has a right to speak it, you know, just as Pastor Anderson has a right to speak it. We all have a right to speak it. It's, But you don't have a right to infringe on someone else's right to speak it. Simple as that. That's where, you know, that that's where you cross the, the, the thin blue line between oppression and liberty is when you start saying it's okay for me to say it, but not okay for you to say it. And because uh, we're, we're a nation of laws passed down from, yes, we are, and I don't care what anybody says, we are a nation of laws passed down from Judeo-Christian principles. And I don't care what anyone says, there's, there can never be any argument with that. I don't care what your take is. You know, if you want to talk about it, fine. But I can go back and show you that we are a nation in laws basically made of Judeo-Christian principles. And based on those teachings that are in the Bible, what is in that Bible has made every great civilization what it has been if those principles are adhered to. When they're not adhered to, your civilization will collapse. And it may not collapse overnight. It may not collapse tomorrow, but it will at some point collapse and you know Reagan was right I have to say Reagan was a very very wise man because he said you you know you're one generation away from tyranny and he was absolutely correct if you happen to uh, neglect one generation in passing those principles down to to that generation, 
that is to follow, then you will have tyranny. You will have anarchy. You will have fascism. You will have communism. I mean, that, that's just that's what we're seeing right now over in Europe. I mean, I was thinking back, and it's true. I remember when Beck put up that chart on Fox, and he took so much flack about it when he talked about, you know, the fact that you would have uh, the caliphate pushing through the Middle East up toward Europe, and you, as you would have uh, the extremes of fascism on the one hand and communism on the other hand working together to basically collapse their present form of government because of uh, austerity measures. Basically, they seeing government as taking away their entitlements because governments can no longer pay for those entitlements. And one of the things I want to talk about while I'm thinking about it is uh, Alexander Dugan. And I would invite everyone to do a little study on Alexander Dugan. He's a interesting fellow. He's a uh, college professor in Russia. He's also a uh, high advisor to to Vladimir Putin. And the other thing is he is uh, also into the black arts. He is a believer and follower of uh, Aleister Crowley, at least according to documents that I have found. And you'll notice that the movements in uh, Eastern Europe and those movements that are are closing in in Greece and elsewhere, you've got uh, basically the fascist, which is uh, the Golden Dawn Party, I believe, and then the other one is that they use one symbol that's common to what is called chaos magic. And that symbol is a circle which has five points on it. And what is even more telling, I was happened to read be reading a congressional uh, printing office minutes of a uh, speech that Timothy Geithner was given uh, before Congress. And on that letterhead, or if it was letterhead, was that same symbol. It was the chaos symbol used in Europe that had that same symbol for chaos magic. And I remember... A long time ago, I, I, yeah, it was that I had said that chaos magic had to be a part of this, and, and I don't know why I said it. I don't know what brought it to me, but I said chaos magic had to be a part of this because 
everything was just in such disarray and, and made no sense. And then finding evidence that that was true. And it blew my mind. It just absolutely blew my mind that, uh, you know, there it was. And and Dugan was the man. Dugan is the one who, uh, you know, was, was basically a follower of Crowley. And so it's, you know, we're facing some interesting times because we have such, you know, such a wide divide in diversification of different factions uh, that seem to be at least working together for now, but there will come a point if they do succeed that the only enemy they'll have is each other. So you'll see the uh, fascist on the one hand, you'll see the communist on the other hand, and then you'll see the Muslims on the other hand all fighting for uh, the gains they had made in order to, you know, to bring the country to where it's at now, to mold the world to their heart's desire. So it's yes. it's going to be... Speaking of communist, did you see where the tiny little country called Cuba is now demanding that we give them reparations, uh, close down Gitmo, and I can't remember... What else? I mean, that that just shows you how how weak this country or how weak our leaders are when that tiny little country starts making demands on us. That's one example of the communists, you know, coming together as well. Oh, well, I I really don't think it's a matter of our leaders being weak. I think it's a matter of those who place them in leadership. Uh. You know, that was their mission, was to make us appear weak, is to weaken the United States to where they were no longer a first world country, they were no longer a leader of the world, of the free world, that, uh, well, we basically made ourselves into an island all to ourselves, where um, we're... You know, we're losing our allies. And the most important ally, uh, really more so important now than those in Europe, is Israel. Right. And we have dissed Israel 40 ways to Sunday. I mean, in every way possible. We, We have spat in the face of Israel time and time and time again. Uh, to the point, it, it's it's embarrassing. I mean, you know, and I think everyone who is a who is a believer in liberty and who is a believer in a country to choose their own destiny should tweet uh, Netanyahu or tweet the state of Israel and let them know that you do not stand behind the actions of this administration, that you are indeed behind Israel and Israel's right to exist. And I know I, man, I have gotten into so many arguments (laughs) 
I'm kind of sidestepping a little bit here. I admit it. But uh, I've gotten into so many arguments against uh, those on the liberal left about this movie, Snipe, you know, American Sniper. And I even got in one discussion who a guy who claimed himself to be Jewish. And he started carrying on about uh, American Sniper, you know, and um, praising uh, a murderer, and they, he wouldn't go see a right, you know, the uh, a movie about a murderer. And then uh, I said, well, you know, how about Israel? I mean, he said, well, Israel's a bunch of murderers too. And I said, okay, so by you saying that. You're basically saying that the Americans who went over to Europe and pulled the Jews out of or saved them against any more genocide by the Germans, they, they too, are a bunch of murderers. Of course, no response there. We never, never got a response. And... Then, uh, you know, then I asked him finally, ultimately, I mean, toward the end of the the discussion, I said, did you go see the movie? He said, no, he wasn't going to pay him to go see a movie about a murderer. I said, okay, I'll tell you what. I will pay for it. I will, you know, just tell me where you're at. I will pay for it. And you can take a friend, and you can both go see it. He says, "No, I don't want your money. No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to see him see a movie, but I don't want your money." And, and I said, "Man, I pity you. You know, I just really do pity you. Someone who's offered you to pay your way to go see a movie for you at least to have." An educated discussion about something you know nothing about, but you have such a you know a skewed opinion about uh, a subject that you can't even argue. You can't argue if you did not see the movie. True. I mean, you know, you can't sit there and carry on about something you know nothing about. I mean, absolutely nothing about. And you want to act as if you do. That's what really got me to a boiling point, was that you cannot argue, I mean, intelligently, about, you know... Well, he's a murderer. You know, he shoots people in the back. It's just like uh, Michael Moore said, but he shoots people in the back. No, he didn't. Most of the people he shot, he shot them from the front. (laughs) If you would have watched the movie, you would have noticed he didn't shoot them in the back. He shot them straight on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and... That's what kills me. And Michael Moore, you know, pizza the hut. (laughs) 
and, and you're talking about it, the biggest waste of human human sales, you know, and that guy just it's like go back to Canada and stay. I know he holds a dual citizenship, but I'm, I I wouldn't I wouldn't even say I don't even want Canada to have to be embarrassed about him because I like Canada personally. I think Canada is becoming more republic of a republic than we are. But, uh, you know, if I was Canada, I would send, uh, you know, Michael Moore up to the top to the very north tip of Canada and let him live there. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things like American Sniper, you know, and I saw it. It was a tremendous movie. And it was about, to me, what it what it was about was about what goes on in the minds of these men and women that come back from theater, and how it affects their lives personally. It wasn't about a sniper. It wasn't about anything more than what happens to these individuals. And Clint Eastwood did an excellent job, as usual, in bringing that through. I mean, most war movies, they get caught up in the minutia of of war and the adrenaline of war that they don't tell the real story of our men and women who come home and have to deal with the memories and you know, how how post-traumatic stress is a real part of war. I mean, Kyle was one who was uh, deployed four times. And there are people that I've known been deployed five or six times. And, you know, you, you can't, in other words, Men are not programmed to be exposed to that much carnage over a period of time. In other words, they're not programmed to be exposed to that period of carnage, period. But uh, to send them over there four, five, six times over a period of 14 years... And I posted this on Facebook. You're not in a war. You're in an execution. And I'm not talking about the execution of the other side. You're in an execution of your own men. You have, you clearly, you have no, you know, your objective is not to win the war. It's something else entirely. I mean, there's no reason that the U.S. should still be over there after 14 years with the technology that we have. And it's an atrocity. It's an atrocity within itself that our men and women are uniform are still over there, particularly with the gains that our enemy, our supposed enemy, have made. And now we don't even know who our enemy is. The State Department, or excuse me, the 
a presidential spokesperson, deputy presidential spokesperson, calls the, quote, Taliban uh, a group of insurgents. Let's see, whereas, what was it, maybe a month or two ago, they were an enemy. And, you know, same as with uh, Al-Qaeda. Uh, yeah, they were an enemy. They weren't a group of insurgents. Now we have another enemy. We call them, or they refer to them as ISIL. They refer to themselves as ISIS. And they were, they were JV. Do I know? So they were JV at one time. Remember? Oh yeah. And still, I mean, they being ISIS, ISIL, JV, they were creation of the United States. They came out of the result of what happened in Benghazi. If you want to go back that far, ISIS didn't come to be until after the murder of Stevenson and those three seals that were over in that compound. And it was as a result of the United States funneling them weapons along with our NATO allies through Turkey to Qatar and then eventually up into Libya at Benghazi. And now we are still funneling them, them arms in which, you know, we ought to find out every congressman responsible for sending them arms. McCain is number one on the list. That SOB, I'm, you know, this country would have been better off if he would have been, I swear to God, and I hate to say it, who would have been better off if he would have been left in a cage over in Vietnam. Because, uh, you know, he's done our men and women no good in the position that he's at. Something happened to him when he was over there. He had no business coming back. <laughs> I mean, you know, war hero or not, he he doesn't deserve to be in, in the place that he's at now. Because obviously he, he doesn't see the worth of our men and women in uniform today. And... That's just it. Yeah, our men, same as in Vietnam, you know, our, our men and women who go into war and then they come back and the rules of engagement are such that, you know, they can't shoot on our enemy. Well, first of all, we don't even really know who our enemy is anymore. We can't shoot on a mosque because that's not in the rules of engagement. We can't shoot on a group of insurgents with guns because uh, they haven't been shown to be aggressive. You know, they, and then we want a court-martial, someone who broke the rules of engagement, but we want to argue about uh, whether someone who walked straight off a base over there, like Bergdahl, into the arms of Al-Qaeda and then, you know, coincidentally, he's the only one that didn't get his head cut off. So, you know, and the people he were, was with 
have testified. He deserted. He walked off the base and said he was going to join the enemy. And then you see his father on national television, and you look at that guy. He said, "Well, uh, he looks uh, he's looking like a he may be a little he may like he may be Islam himself." You know, there's something about him that don't look quite, you know, like he's all together with at least our program. He may be in someone else's, but he's not in our program. And what I understand, he was very uh, competent in Farsi or one of of those Arabic languages. (laughs) But uh, it's... It's getting to the point where things are breaking down. They're not making sense anymore. And to the troops that have to serve over there and come back, it's you know it becomes very clouded about why they went over there and then why they came back home and why they why they gave up their limbs when they were over there. Why they uh, were injured, permanently injured. And then they go to the VA, you know, to get treatment. And some of them have serious issues as far as uh, getting back into society and becoming a part of society because, hell, their society has been over there getting shot at, you know, 24-7. You come back over here, you hear backfire. First thing you want to do is take cover. So, you know, it's uh, some some people, some of the men and women adjust to it better than others. But I can tell you right now, if studies were to be had, they would show that those who had been deployed more have adjusted less. And I'd be curious to study up on that to find out if they have indeed done those studies to find out if those who have had more deployments have had more difficulty in adjusting to regular life. Because my bet is that they have. But, uh, you know, that's just my take on things as far as what's going over in the Middle East. And it's, it's... as time goes on, it makes less and less sense. And as time goes on, uh, I'm finding our president is is looking more and more like the claims were in the beginning that he is indeed Muslim. I mean, it, it's almost getting to a point where you can't deny it. <laughs> It's uh, the evidence is too much. If this was to be in the front of a court of law, the evidence would be such that it would have to be assumed <laughs> that he was, you know, Muslim. Which that's fine. I don't have a problem if he's Muslim, but if he's uh, cohorting or consorting in any shape, form, or fashion with what we have called our enemy and those who are part of our enemies around the world, 
such as the Muslim Brotherhood, then we have a serious problem. And apparently we have a serious enough problem where people in Congress are scared to death to step forward and address it. And that 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 is the scariest part is that you know you know you tell on me I break your face <laughs> you know that thugger that Chicago thuggery that appears to be in and around the White House I don't know who who's in charge but uh, you know it's like Apparently he has well he has enemies in every camp. Obviously he has enemies in the Secret Service. He has enemies in the CIA. He has enemies. You know every one of them he seems to have to make an example out of, or find some way to make an example out of. You know, which I know that's that's the Chicago way. I mean, that's how they work. But you know, I don't know. I just, all I want is my country back. I want to have faith in the people we put in office. Uh, I will never trust them again, no matter what the outcome. Never, ever again will I trust them. And never, ever again will I trust the media. You know, you and I, my friend, and others like us, We'll ne- we're always going to have a job we probably never get paid for as a citizen journalist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's the truth. We, you know, we'll probably be following up on these people from now to the day we die to find out if they exactly. are what they say they are. Yeah, and it doesn't bother me a bit. You know, I mean, you know, there's there's radio personalities that are going to get paid for what they do here and there. Uh, you know, very few of them make it, and but that doesn't bother me one bit. You know, I I never thought I would ever be doing anything like this, and we've been going on. I think we still, when you and I got together, you started the show before I came around, but I think it was July or August of 2011. So we're going going on our fourth year. We still hadn't met each other in person yet. And I find that amazing still. Yeah. You know, well, it's it, well, you know, it's like you said before. We already know each other. It's like I've already met you, and I hadn't met you, right. and you know, we're uh, twin brothers of another mother, and <laughs> you know, and our, our, we have our beliefs are the same, and the one core belief is that uh, we think. We think we should have a better country to pass along to those who are coming behind us. And, you know, imagine what it would be like if everyone felt that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just amazing to me. I I look at the Los Angeles Times has got to be the worst. I mean, out of any newspaper... On the face of this planet, the Los Angeles Times is. I don't. I don't know if these people take LSD, you know, every morning, and you know it's got an eight-hour effect, <laughs> you know. But they put up the craziest crap, and these people in California 
just buy into it. I mean, they've got their handful that don't, man. But they post anything environmental, uh, eat vegetables, not meat. I just saw something a little while ago. They're claiming some scientists did a study saying that conservatives will die earlier than liberals. <laughs> you know, really? Okay, you really did a study on that. Who funded that? Who funded that stupid study? You know it had to be the government. And, uh, you know, they, they had a little remark in this article. It, it said something to the effect of, hmm, we wonder if if more people will now become liberals because of this information. <laughs> it's like, you stupid. Well, what they should have done at the bottom of that article, now studies have proved that 10 years from now that uh, this, this study will totally be proven, you know, false, and the reverse will be opposite. So take it with a grain of salt. You know, you might want to, after you read this article, line your birdcage with it because that's about all it's going to be good for. It was probably, you might as well not even have read it at all and put it on the bottom of your birdcage. But, uh, you know, it... Yeah, did you it, see that other it, one I posted this morning from Breitbart? Uh, that one was, now the liberals are saying that... Uh, Stay-at-home moms are doing so to avoid paying taxes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so now All they're the, they. yeah. Now so they're the stay-at-home mom. Yeah, they're the one percent. Okay, uh, you know now it's no longer the Koch brothers; it's the stay-at-home moms. Oh, all right, I got it. Well, I saw a post of a, it was a, uh illustration about the Koch brothers, you know, have made, uh, what was it, $8 billion last year, and, uh, you know, they had enough money to fight poverty, blah, 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 blah. So I went back and looked at the Forbes Top 100, and yeah, true. You know, Coke Brother number one was worth about eight billion. Coke Brother number two was worth about uh, eight billion. May not be, maybe four billion, five billion, something like that. But uh, if you go and look at the Waltons of Walmart, which you know they totally left out. They're worth about a hundred and sixty-one billion dollars. Wow! If you were to take that money collectively, you could just about that—that's just their net worth. You know, we're not talking about gross. We're not talking about the money they have in trust funds and NGOs and you know everywhere else they've got it sheltered. Uh, we're just talking about net worth. But if you were to take that money that they had, you know, being they are the 1% and Warren Buffett and, you know, was paying off our government debt to China, you would knock a pretty damn good dent in it and probably have some left over to fight the poverty in Africa. You know, it, it, it's always a little caveat they leave, they leave off. And, of course, liberals always tend to get pissed at you if you 
you know, take it one step further. You know, they just want their their little uh, diatribe up there. Nobody argue against it. Nobody point out that, hey, this, this isn't factual. This is incorrect. Yeah, if you're gonna post yeah, but, it, sure. And that brings up another point. Right. Here's who. Here's who I'm. I'm. There, I call them old school Democrats, like Donnie Touche. Okay, Donnie, I think is pretty aware of what of what's going on, and his views have have slowly changed over the last few years. You know, he he gets some things, and some things he's still you know going to remain kind of a liberal on. But it's it's uh, these these old school Democrats that are going to vote Democrat no matter what because they grew up in a household where you know dad worked you know he was a union man. And I get, I get that this is not against the union worker. Uh, this is more, you know, those union dollars are doing nothing but funding Democrats. That's what they're doing. You know, they argue, oh, the eight-hour day is because of unions. That was a long, long, long time ago. Okay, the eight-hour workday is pretty much here to stay. Anything over that is called overtime. So I got that. That happened in the 1930s. But they don't realize what's going on in their own damn party. I mean, you and I are aware of what's going on. Okay, say we call ourselves Republicans, okay, which we're not, you know, nowadays I don't even like saying that. But, yeah, I do tend to vote more Republican than any other, uh, or that's, that's all I vote for, you know. And I, I can't remember the last time I voted for a Democrat if I ever did, but I know what's going on in my own party, and I'm talking about it. You're talking about it. Uh, we know who the good guys are. We think we know who the bad guys are for sure. But a lot of these old school Democrats aren't even looking at what is really going on with their own party. And that, I just, it just drives me nuts. Uh, whenever they, you know, they, they'll, you know, if they know I'm a conservative, they'll throw some old school, you know, union, you know, argument up, and I'm like, man, that was, you know, like I said, it was 1930s when that shit happened. Look what's happening now. You know, I get it back then. Yeah, there were some pretty bad working conditions. And there was a reason for the unions coming up and, and making their stand, you know. But do you, are you coming across that same type of a deal where they're so stuck like it's still, you know, your 1950s to 1970s Democrat? Well, I think that, yeah, it's like you say, there's two factions. There are those who, I mean, they had the solid argument of the 30s and then you know there's the uh the JFK Democrats who more the working class and uh they have their their arguments are such that you know where eventually you could say we're not that much different you know you and I we if you take it we we believe in most of the same things. It's just that uh, you can tell they 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 pick up where their parents left off, and but they're not seeing that we have we have basically a whole new you know uh, a whole new facet before us as far as we've never seen before. We have progressives progressive party that's in charge of both parties. They don't understand, say, you know, when you tell them that 
I'm not a Republican, you know. I'm a conservative. And at one time, if I wouldn't have understood that. That they think all all conservatives are Republicans. I say, no, I am a conservative. I'm not a Republican. I don't I don't believe as Republicans. In other in other words, the Republicans waffle. In other words, they, they compromise their values. And I'm a conservative because I don't compromise. Uh, my vote's not for sale. And, you know, same way you're a Democrat. Your vote's not for sale because you literally, you, you legitimately believe the things that you were saying. And that's the difference, is now you've got the game of chess. It, it means really nothing. Uh, it's like, you know, it's like Beck used to say, a pound of flesh here, and then I'll take a pound of flesh there. You take a pound of flesh here, I'll take a pound of flesh there. And, you know, it all kind of equals out. And, but no, it's, it's, we are getting to the point, we don't want to play this game anymore. This is not the game we signed up for. This is, something that, you know, is not who we are as a country. It's okay to have differences. The only thing is, is that if we have differences, know why we have those differences. And let's be able to discuss them. Let's not be like Obama and say, well, anything you you put on my desk, it isn't what I want. I'm going to veto it. Or let's not be like Harry Reid. I'm not, anything comes out of it. The House doesn't exist, you know. It's only the Senate. You know, if it, if it reaches the Senate, that's as far as it goes. We're, you know, we're not going to hear it. We're going to make our own law and then pass it up to the President. Or we'll just totally go around the House and then, like health care, and pass it anyway. And, you know, and it's just like the president now. It's like anything that he don't, just like Keystone Pipeline. Everybody talks about how wonderful it is. Oh, the Keystone Pipeline got passed, blah, 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 blah. Well, the president's going to veto it. He already said he's going to veto it. So, I mean, and if it's, in the old days, it wasn't like that. In the old days, it says, okay, Tell me before I veto it. Tell me why I should not veto it. And at least you could have an intelligent conversation without this bull crap they do now in terms of partisan politics. And that's what it that's what it is. It's not it's not the old school Democrat JFK Democrat and the, uh, the Republicans. Uh, Ray, like Reagan, those that, you know, believe what they believe because they have either seen it or they have lived it or they really have a strong belief in it. 
uh, now you've got people who believe in it only because uh, it's profitable for them to believe in it. Like Dodd, Dodd Frank, you know, uh, Dodd, well, both of them. Biggest criminals, you know, other than uh, Charlie Rangel. Charlie Rangel's another example. Uh, and Al Sharpton is another example. The four amigos. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're talking about tax fraud. I mean, there's a... <laughs> just when you poor alone, I mean... <laughs> yeah, you know, but will, will our president after go, ever go after them for, uh, like he has... The uh, non-profit conservative uh, groups that are out there in the IRS? No. Uh-uh. Because they serve a special interest, which is his interest. So he's not going to go after them. You know, and and that's, that's just it. It's all become a game. And it's a game that's being played against people and it's the game that doesn't matter what side you're on, uh, you're going to lose. And people will say, well, you know, I, I'm a Democrat or I'm a Republican. It don't matter. You're both going to lose. It, you know, it, it's a game. I mean, it's just like, oh, uh, what's his name? No, uh, the guy that passed away, uh, where you know he was a he was a, he was a Republican before the Republicans left him. What was his name? Hell, I can't remember now. Oh, but, uh, uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. I can't think of that bastard's name either. Arlen Specter. Yeah. There you go. Arlen Specter. <laughs> Yeah, I was a Republican before the Republican Party left me. <laughs> yes, it was. It's like, well, you know, it looks like the Republicans are gaining ground in your district, and uh, you know, it looks like you might lose. Well, tell you what, I'm going to do. I'm going to change my party. That's what I'm going to do. I'm gonna change my party. And Isn't it amazing how somebody was so much? Because that, I mean, that guy had a. He was pretty powerful. You know, he'd been up there in the in the uh, at the hill for a long time, and isn't it funny? You and I both, as informed as we are, could not even remember his name. So it's like yeah. you're way on up there, and then you're nobody. You know, and I guess I guess it's some kind of a high that they get whenever they're up there in office. Um, you know, and going back to a name you brought up way back in the early in the show, Mia Love. I hope I hope that. Uh, that D.C. drug hadn't hit her yet, uh, but I'm, I'm afraid it has, because, boy, it didn't take her long at all. Well, that's just so. it. The, 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 it's almost like the first time they they get off the bus in D.C. or off the train in D.C., it's like the first thing they do, they go to uh, Capitol Hill Criminal Orientation. And then they sit there with whatever party they represent, and they discuss, you know, 
how exactly the criminal establishment of Capitol Hill operates and the consequences that if you don't play uh, the criminal enterprise of Capitol Hill's game, then what the consequences would be. And uh, it is a phenomenon that, you know, is... Quite frankly, I think yeah, it is a phenomenon that will uh, have political scientists baffled for for decades if they were to actually study it as to why uh, Capitol Hill runs as it does, uh, or why is it why is it as unscrupulous as it is? I mean, I think that's a case study within itself for every university, you know, with a political science department to try to understand why is Capitol Hill as corrupt as it is? You know, they certainly don't represent their constituents. And most of them now, they don't even go to their town halls. They get on their, you know, Skype presentations and they take uh, pre-screen questions from the audience <laughs> and, and say, you know, uh, what what's the favorite what's the favorite brand basketball that you have to play with, you know, or what what kind of football do you like? You like touch football, flag football, tackle football, you know, or. Do you do you guys you know during the uh, capital Easter egg hunt? Do you participate? <laughs> you know, just uh, idiocy, idiocy, idiocy makes me want to just bang my head against the idiocy, idiocy, idiocy. And you know, and what kills me, I have found this out, is that. You know, all news, even Fox News, uh, their jobs are to have something to report. You know, it don't matter what it is. Their job isn't to tie uh, everything together to make it understandable for the listener. It's for them to just report the news as insignificant as it might be or as significant as it might be. But their job is not to put the, the ends, is not to tie up the ends right. to where they make sense to the viewer. They and it's day just, by day, and they're usually two weeks late. Yeah, it's just to report it. Well, there was an incident the other day where uh, there was a kidnapping in Paris, and it was... You know, it was already on Facebook. It was going all over Facebook, and sure enough, I went on the on the on Google and searched it out, and it was a it was a true news story that in Paris there was a kidnapping. Uh, I can't remember exactly the details, but I tweeted it to Fox. I said, you know, you guys are running behind that. There's been another kidnapping in Paris, and you know. Of course, they never did, at least on Fox and Friends, they uh, never did come out with their news alert. And 
and uh, say, you know, hey, there's a, been a kidnapping in Paris, you know, another Al-Qaeda or Al-Qaeda cell or ISIS cell or whatever the hell they are. Uh, but, you know, it's like, you know, put it this way, the best news source, period, today is Facebook and Twitter. That is, I do not hesitate one iota to make that claim. That is the best source to get up to the second news on any issue in any country going on. And it's gotten to where now that it is such a credible source that even the news agencies are starting to use it. With the exception of MSNBC. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they, they... They still have to be able to, uh, well, they'll read it and then they'll, you know, they'll put some slant in there and says, okay, we've gotten tweets from uh, Paris about Charlie Bebdo. Uh, however, we're not sure at this I think it's a conservative radical. <laughs> we think it's a tea partier, perhaps. <laughs> there you go, exactly. You know, it's not a radical extremist. No, it looks like a tea partier, and it's like, uh, yeah. but it's true. If you notice, CNN labor quote Twitter. They don't usually ever quote Facebook, but it's got to wear Fox and you know maybe a few more. They may quote uh, people on Twitter or Facebook. And knowing how much of an integral part it pay, it plays in uh, gathering the news. And YouTube. YouTube is another source. I, mean, I think it's become a pretty good news, a really good news source, actually. is I, I, very, I think my last tweet was probably uh, New Year's Day. Happy New Year to everybody. And that was about it. I just don't get on Twitter that much anymore. But if you want to know what's going on in the Twitter world, all you have to do is get on Twitchy. Which is actually a very good news source. Oh uh, yeah, Michelle Malkin. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Michelle Malkin. just to make fun of people, you know, who said something stupid, which is still that. But I get a lot of information. Uh, I think today alone, I probably posted three or four Twitchy dot uh, com, you know, links on the Facebook. Yeah, I, I think that was uh, Michelle Malkin's husband that. Did that right? Uh, that I'm her. I know she's a part of it for sure. I'm not yeah. sure about her husband. Well, I think what they did they they farmed out or or basically farmed in the best of Twitter in terms of their news sources, you know, and then or either of those who are the most likely to put their foot in their mouth, like Alec Baldwin. Uh, I think they had him maybe at number one. (laughs) Yeah, because it seemed like everything Alec Baldwin came out with is like, Twitchy was always the first one to catch it. 
these movies he thinks is so funny that, you know, I, I may get a laugh or two out of them, but that's about it. And as far as I'm concerned, well, I won't be, I've never paid to see his movies, to be quite frankly, be quite frank, but always watched them over at somebody else's house or something. But, you know, they never have been funny. And I'm ashamed to say I think I rented one from Amazon. I wish I could get my three bucks back. But uh, anyway, man, uh, yeah, now, oh, God, I would love to see Saturday Night Live. They did one on uh, Martin Luther King. Did you see that one? I hadn't seen that one yet. Was it last week? Yeah, it was after, uh, you know, it was during, it was right after his birthday, and they did Martin Luther King, and this guy was having to write a report about Martin Luther King, and he had to know who Martin Luther King was. And so Martin Luther King came to him, and he just appeared, and uh, he started telling about all the the things that have changed since... uh, you know, since his day, and uh, finally Martin Luther King, the King, King said, "Well, we still climbing that mountain." <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gotta watch it. Google it and look up Martin Luther King on Saturday Night Live. You'll die laughing, man. It's just terrible. I'll look it up right now. So, so all right, brother. All right, man. Hey, I enjoyed it, and uh, we'll we'll see you on the next show. All right, brother. Y'all take care. All right. right, Have a good night, night, Mike. You too. Bye-bye.